I want to tell you a story about a time when I was in college. I was like 22, maybe 23, and I uh, was in a band, and I eventually got kicked out of the band for having a bad attitude, but that's not the story. And uh, we were, I'm in this band, and uh, we did a talent show, and we got second place. They, give, they gave first place as a pity prize to somebody. I don't want to go into the details. But they had someone MC the uh, event, and he was like a professional comedian from New York City, and he had been on you know, Comedy Central and all that. So they put him on, and he would host it, and he'd come in and make little quips about people in between. And he was all right, and I was a participant in the, in the talent show with our band. And after that talent show, uh, some of the people in our band were like, hey, we should go hang out uh, with you because you're fun. And so he's like, yeah, I'll totally do it. Like, you know, you hang out in the college towns, you some of the people, whatever. So uh, they grab him, we go to a place called uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, which uh, was like the main bar hang in our town, our small college town. It used to be called, it used to be called BW3s or B-dubs, but, uh, Buffalo, but Buffalo Wild Wings is what they call it now, okay? That's all extra story stuff. Uh, so we're hanging out at a table and we're la like, there's laughing and joking and, and uh, uh, he, he was making all these jokes and I didn't find him to be funny. But everyone else, all my friends in the band, thought he was super funny. They thought he was like really funny, and they were laughing like really hard. And after, like, he goes, "Okay, guys, it's time for me to head out. I gotta head out." And we're like, "Oh yeah, bye." And after he left, you know, when you do the little debrief after you hang out with someone new with like your close friends, you ever do you know what I'm talking about? The debrief, and then they're like, "Oh, that was so funny," and I was like, "I didn't think he was funny." And they said to me, my friends in the band said, Chris, you're used to being the funniest person in the room, and this time you weren't. He was funny. You can't see that because you're jealous. Ouch. Uh, I know this stings a little, but and I go, you know what, they're probably right. It didn't stop me from getting kicked out of the band. Not that night, at <laughs> a later date. But I tell that story. It's a silly story. I tell that story, but have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you were hot stuff in an area of your life and then all of a sudden you weren't the hottest of stuff anymore? Maybe at work, maybe you were like the go-to person and then somebody else gets hired at work and then suddenly they're going to that person for all the fun answers, all the clear answers, the better advice. Uh, maybe in your dating relationships, maybe you were dumped by someone and they actually left you for someone they thought was better. Ouch, that one hurts. Or maybe you married into a family and someone else is married into the family and you're no longer the most interesting in-law in the room. Uh, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about that competitive edge that creeps up inside of us from time to time. Do you know what I mean? Where you feel it with them, it creeps up. Now, in the story of Jesus, we can read about Jesus and his cousin, John. John the Baptist. Why was he called John the Baptist? Did a lot of baptisms. And he shows us in this story what we should do when we experience this specific type of setback, specifically competition. When we find ourselves in the comparison trap with somebody else, when we find ourselves in that place uh, where what we used to do or what we used to be is no longer really working the same way as it used to or it was before, do you know the feeling? You come to a point in your life where like, my life is a little stale. It has to change. Something has to give. I'm no longer what I thought I was. Well, let me paint the picture. John's ministry was the hottest in town. 
and he was calling people to change their ways and repent. And he was calling people out into the desert. He was an Essene, and he wore uh, camel skin and leather belts, which was not a cool thing, leather belts, you know, uh, so whatever. And he's wearing those, and he was eating honey and locusts, and he was like a wild man, and people were like, this guy is the best. We need to repent. We need to be baptized. And he had members, and people would come out to see him all the time. He had resources. He had disciples that would manage all the things, the systems around him. And his disciples were like the cool kids for once, all right? And they're doing all the cool stuff, and they got to speak truth to power. They got to speak truth to the elite of ancient Israel, okay? But then, all of a sudden, everything changed. I'll give you one hint. Jesus shows up on the scene. Jesus shows up. He starts doing bigger miracles, and better miracles, and he's doing better teachings, and he's baptizing more people, and he's gaining more followers. So John's disciples, they get a little jealous. They get a little hurt. They complain that everybody's leaving and going to the other guy. Everyone's going over to Jesus, John. What are you going to do about it? Your cousin's creeping in on our territory. Have you ever been in a situation like this? Everything is going well. You're winning. You're the big thing. You're kicking butt and taking names, and then everything changes. A new business comes to town. Your company falls on hard times. Perhaps you were in a ministry that was doing and operating a certain level, and then a new ministry comes into town and threatens to undermine all the people you've been investing in, and everyone's going to the new and exciting thing. And it, it is in these exact moments when we feel that thing happen inside of us that Jesus usually comes to us and he offers us a choice. The choice is not for heaven or hell. The choice is not about life and death. It's usually not a life and death situation. The choice is not matrixy in that it's a red pill or a blue pill. It's not often insider information about how to outcompete your competitor. But as words come to us, as an act of mercy. And it shows us that the old ways that got us to where we are today may not be the ways that he is willing to use for us for the future. And you see, here's what I know about you and here's what I know about God. God is all about your transformation and you becoming the best version of yourself. Not according to how you see yourself, but according to how God sees you. God has a plan and a vision for your life, and for order you to, in order for you to get there, you can't stay where you are. You must be transformed. You must go to a different level. And so God offers us a choice that might not make sense in the moment. It might not make sense in our immediate circumstances, but it's a choice that ultimately leads us somewhere new. It's a choice that kind of looks and feels like a portal. Do you know what a portal is? You know, you go through the portal, like you must go through the portal to experience the new thing that Jesus has for you. And it opens you up to a wider world that you could have never imagined. So today I'm your guide to help you understand that choice, to understand that portal. And we turn to the book of John. Now this book of John was written by John, but not John the Baptist. Confused? So there's John, the disciple, who's talking about John the Baptist, and Jesus is also a main character everywhere in this sermon. Okay, and so John chapter 3, starting at verse 22, here's that story. After this, 
Jesus and the disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John, who was also baptizing, that would be John the Baptist, was in Anon near Salim, because there was plenty of water, and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. That's a little foreshadowing. John the Baptist eventually got thrown into prison. Verse 25, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, Jesus, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing, and everybody's going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am set ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. And the key line we need to focus on here today is this. He must become greater, and I must become less. As we just read, or as I discussed before, Jesus is getting more popular. John is getting less popular. His disciples want to know if he's jealous. His disciples want him to intervene. And John gives an illustration of a bride and a bridegroom. And the excitement when they first see each other for the first time on their wedding day. John says that it is exactly like this with the promised Messiah. It isn't about competition it isn't about jealousy. It isn't about maintaining and growing his little thing. It's about being faithful and recognizing that Jesus is here. And Jesus is going to stay with them. And there's nothing better than inviting Jesus to become greater in his life. Now, John could have responded a different way. John could have chosen to double down on outreach. Okay, we need to do mailers to all the local villages. Let's see how many addresses the post office can give us in Bethlehem. Let's hit them up. He could have doubled down. He could have, he could have built a retention program. You guys ever work in marketing? He could have built a retention program where he got to convince the disciples to go out and do like, you know, surveys uh, to really see what was going on with some of the disciples who had gone over to Jesus and tried to win them back and say, hey, listen, we're going to offer more benefits, more things. Uh, you know, more events, uh, stuff like that. And he could have launched, or he could have gone on the negative. He could have launched a misinformation campaign. But he did none of those things. Why? Because John had the perspective that this was an invitation to enter into the portal because maybe there was something bigger that God wanted to do than John's little thing. God was using this moment of confusion and competition to draw John and the disciples closer to Jesus to offer something new. It was an invitation to step out of the certain into the unknown, the known present into the unknown future. It took courage to say from John, it took, guys, this is the way it's supposed to be and I'm not jealous. In fact, this is the way. I'm supposed to become lesser. And I'm excited to become lesser because that means I was faithful with what I was given and now it opens me up for the new thing that God has for my future. 
That's a hard thing to realize, especially when you're successful, especially when things are going well for you. There's something that you and I can learn from John the Baptist for the here and now. When we face difficulties, when we find ourselves losing customers or losing friends or to better businesses or more fun people, when we lose the romantic interest of somebody or the choice that God puts in front of us is often an invitation for Jesus to become greater and for us to become less. To allow Jesus to become greater means that we change our, our posture. You become open to making his presence and his way of things a greater influence in your life. There's a quote from Eugene Peterson. Does anyone know who that is? He wrote a, a version of the Bible. Um, <laughs> and uh, he wrote this book called The Jesus Way. It's a really good book. And here's a quote from Eugene Peterson. It says, to follow Jesus implies that we enter into a way of life that is given character and shape and direction by the one who calls us. There's something about us becoming less and Jesus becoming more that leads us to give way. Like, what is the way that you're shaping me, God? What are you doing in all of this? And the application to this is that the Holy Spirit of God, today, for you and I, is putting his finger on your life. And he's putting his finger on my life. And we're invited to make him greater. And to choose to make our way of doing life, the way we've always done it, the lesser way. Do you understand? Are we clear here? Now, often when we experience hardship, when we experience loss, when we experience difficulties, when we experience a sense of competition creeping up inside of us, similar to me with that comedian, and similar to you in whatever it is that, you know, you feel competition. This is often the time that Jesus comes to us and invites us to make his ways greater and our ways lesser. Some of you, some of you, this is in the area of your finances. Where the pressure you're feeling, the, whatever it is you're feeling about your, your money, this might be an opportunity where God would come to you and say, and this isn't about, this isn't a giving sermon to like give to the church, although you should. This is about like, are your choices being shaped? Are his, is his way of thinking and processing finances and money, is that becoming your way? And are you willing to have your best ideas about your money take a back seat? I think there's some of you who want to grow in your walk with the Lord. You want to grow in leadership. You want to grow in your ability. The past few weeks, we've been talking about power and presence. You want God to work in you and through you to bring healing to people. Not only mental and emotional healing, but actual physical healing. God may want you to learn to pause like Jesus, to wait on him, to figure out the ways that he wants to work with you, rather than to just run off and try to make it happen. And for those of you who God may be leading you to make Jesus the greater thing in your life, I, I feel like i got to give you the most interesting part of all of this. John the Baptist, in the story that we just read, uses a story of bride and bridegroom. And what are most brides and bridegrooms like on their wedding day? Unless it's a scary arranged marriage. What are they like? 
They're happy. What else? They're excited. They're like, and you know that when they, in traditional weddings, the bride turns the corner. The bride turns the corner and like, and like uh, the, the groom gets that like, that, that look, that like, oh my gosh, she's here. And, and you know, all the people, like they look at her first because obviously she's radiant. And then they look at him to see what he looks like. And he's like, a, and it's, he's super excited. <laughs> and it's like a whole thing. But what, what don't you see? You don't be like, ugh. You don't see, a, you don't see like a lot of negativity in the moment. The negativity comes over the next 20 to 30 years. But in that moment, all the energy is like, this is exciting. This is exciting. They're excited to see each other. They're not hesitant in that moment. They're not angry. They're not coming to the table begrudgingly. It's pure, new, Sparky McSparkerson, new relationship excitement. And what John is doing in this illustration is he is encouraging his disciples in the same ways that we're meant to be encouraged. We're invited to welcome the way of Jesus, not begrudgingly, not angrily. You know when people put their hands in the middle, they're like, oh, one, two, three, let's go. And you know there's always that one person that's like, eh. It's not that. He's saying welcome the way of Jesus with excitement, like a bride and a bridegroom. Get excited. And when you see the way of Jesus coming at you, or when you feel the pressure of competition, or when things, the way life used to be, is not working the way it is now, and you sense there's an issue, and you say, Jesus, I need your way more than my own way, we invite him into that moment. Be excited. Get excited. Why? Because you're inviting the God of the universe, the way of Jesus, which is a superior way to our own way. That's that's the hard part here. Do you believe that the way of Jesus, in whatever area of your life you want to take into consideration, do you believe that that's, that is a superior way than your way? He must become greater. I must become lesser. Do we believe that? There's an illustration I want to give. Um, has anyone ever heard of Henry Ford? He made some cars at some point. Okay, Henry Ford, Ford Automotive. It's a car company, it's a publicly held company. F on the New York Stock Exchange, you can look it up. He has this quote that I think can help us. And the quote he's quoted as saying is, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said, faster horses. The implication, the implication, people didn't know what was possible because they were too fixated on the old way of doing things. People couldn't quite figure out what an automobile could do for them. So they're like, if Ford gets his act together, he can get us some faster horses. How many horsepowers is that horse? It's one. They couldn't, they couldn't imagine a vehicle with hundreds of horsepower. They couldn't, think, they couldn't think that way. Their brains weren't set up to the, be open to the possibility. And it's the same thing with you and I. When we face hardship, when we face difficulty, when things seem to be in insurmountable headwinds, uh, fate coming towards us, sometimes our way, we're kind of wishing for faster horses. We're like, oh, I just need to do more of the same. 
faster horses. Oh, if I could just outcompete this person, faster horses. Oh, if I could just pull myself up from my own bootstraps and then God will be happy with me, that could be faster horses. The implication for us is becoming less and allowing Jesus to become more is far more superior and it could mean opening up your imagination to something that you don't fully understand yet. So what does it look like for you to go against every single one of the normal human instincts to protect, to internally negotiate in the places where God is putting his hand in your life and to start to begin to cheer for his presence, to get excited like a bride and a bridegroom. Think of your time. Yes, I get to spend my time using my time for the kingdom of God. Yes, I get to spend my money for the kingdom of God. Yes, Jesus is asking me to reduce my ego and worry less about my reputation as the best person at work who does the thing with the thing better than anyone. And instead, I'm going to focus on the way of Jesus with, Jesus, what are you doing in me and how do you want to use me to bless other people in my workplace? As a church we're invited to create that same expectation. He must become greater, and we must become less. When we choose to enter the portal, to become less, and to begin to submit to the new ways Jesus wants to do something in us, something great, that is when something great can happen in our lives. It can break us up from living in the old same routine. It can keep us away from the same old jealousies that nearly every person has to walk through in this life. It can keep us out of the comparison traps that we feel from time to time. And instead, we are changed. And we become perfectly positioned to receive the next assignment, the next opportunity. Because often it doesn't really begin with the details. It begins with, are we willing to welcome him? into our life in a new way, into the new and next adventure. Why don't we all stand together?